Hello, Blissful Parenting. It's Michelle Abraham, your host here today. And I'm so excited for this episode. I have a really special treat for you guys. Today, we brought on Amy Lang. She is a parenting expert, and she really focuses on really helping us parents get to that birds and bees talk. So Amy, thank you so, so much for being with us, and I hope you'll tell us a little bit more about what you all do. Thank you for having me. I am super excited to chat with you and to help the parents that are listening right now. So I was a sexuality educator for over uh, 15 years. Is that right? It was a long time uh, from my early 20s on. And I loved talking about sexuality. I talked to anybody you could think of. And then I had a kid and I was stumped. Like I did not know how to talk to a child about sex. I realized at one point I was like, yay, I'd rather talk to a pregnant 14 year old girl than my kid who's four at the time. And I realized that that was going to be a little bit of a problem. (laughs) So I started doing some research and I realized that we didn't really have any approachable information about how to talk to kids about sex. And I also suspected that it was kind of out of date. And so I dug into like how to talk to kids about sex. And then I did a little research and discovered that in the Netherlands, they do everything right when it comes to talking to kids about sexuality. So when I, ha- when I kind of uh, got myself ready to talk to my child, I also realized that uh, other parents needed help. And so I started Birds and Bees and Kids, and I've been doing this for 13 years. Um, Milo was about five when I started, and now he's 18. So I've done all the things with my boy, and he now is launched now. He has his first girlfriend. And so I just... Uh, you know, I just wanted to help other folks. And I have a master's degree in uh, group facilitation and adult education. And so I just combined my two favorite things and started a company. I love it, Amy. And, you know, I originally found you online when I was searching for an expert kind of specifically in this field. And it's interesting, you know, your website just really spoke to me as a parent. It's very welcoming. And, you know, listen to your podcast, you have a uh, a podcast called Just Say This, and I really, really love it. It's so these parents that are uh, being recorded, the questions that maybe they're a little bit shy to ask or a little bit afraid to like speak in front of public about it or whatever, and then you just give this no BS answer, and you make it sound so simple and so easy and nonchalant about it. I just love it. So I really encourage our audience to go check out Amy's podcast. It's really cool. And you can find it on iTunes and then also on your website, which is birdsandbeesandkids.com. So you can really uh, make sure you go listen to it. So tell us a little bit about um, the podcast, uh, Amy, and and how that kind of started. Well, I uh, I love Q&A style podcasts myself, and I'm an avid Dan Savage, Savage Love podcast listener. And so I was like, Dan's got it all going on. So I'm just going to copy him. And I've been on his show a few times. And so, and I'm, palsy Walsy with his uh, producer. And so I realized that this was a great way for me to do a podcast because it's not dependent on interviews or scheduling time with anything, anybody. And it gives an opportunity, like you said, for parents to ask those questions where they just feel like a big dummy. And so they leave a voicemail and then I answer, you know, I answer their questions. And I also do a little like blurb at the beginning where I pick a specific topic and talk about that. Uh, and 
I um, have really great advertisers because I want, like it's almost all parenting oriented and I want parents to have like all the resources they need mm -hmm. to really tackle this part of, you know, parenting and then other parts too. And I'm loving doing it uh, and you know, I'm getting really great feedback. And, you know, I think that when it comes to this part of parenting, people are you know, they're uncomfortable, they have their histories that are showing up, they don't want to ruin their kids. And I think also we're operating in this culture that is so saturated, saturated with uh, sexual messages and uh, information that most of us don't want our kids to have uh, until they're like, I don't know, late 20s. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not going to get our way and it's not going away. And, you know, we have to really get our kids ready for when they're exposed to crappy stuff online or their friends are, you know, throwing around different terms. Uh, so, you know, my whole mission is to help every child grow up to be a whole and healthy adult. And if you just pause and think about sexuality, it is with us from the beginning. And it is a through line to just about everything that we do as human beings. And sometimes it's, you know, overt. It's like right there, the thing that's on your mind. And then sometimes it's kind of running around in the background. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just really want parents to feel comfortable and confident and uh, be willing to jump in. And I promise the scary, the conversations don't have to be too scary. I'm sure, they're going to be uncomfortable, but lots of times they're just hilarious. So that's my jam. <laughs> I've definitely been to listen to your podcast on several occasions. And I just, I have laughed on all the questions and all the answers because they are funny. And like, especially when they're coming from younger children doing silly yeah. things and you're like, how do I deal with this? Duh, this girl. I remember one particular episode where the little girl was humping her teddy bear. Right? Right. <laughs> it was like, what do we do with this? Right. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah. She's humping her teddy bear in front of God and everyone. Right. So she's yeah. like, I'm bored. This feels good. Like anytime. <laughs> and and she, I mean, so we talked about how, you know, and parents should know this, like sexuality, like we're wired up for pleasure from the beginning. And so it's super common for kids to figure out that it feels good to touch their penis or their clitoris. And they don't know it's something we do in private. You know, they don't know that there's anything, you know, bad about it. They're just like, I'm bored. I'm in the safe way. I'm just gonna stick my hand down my pants. And, you know, usually we can predict when they're going to engage in this kind of sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's usually at bedtime or nap time. It's self-soothing. You know, they're not um, thinking about, you know, John Stamos, for example. <laughs> um, so they're just like, it feels good. I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm just going to do this. And as adults, we tend to turn that in, we tend to sexualize that. We tend to think, oh my God, that's a grown up thing. Like we shame kids. We're afraid of that it means something. Uh, and usually it doesn't. Uh, so, you know, one of my big tips for parents of young kids in particular is just to say, hey, I know that feels good, but that's something people do in private. Uh, it's okay to do that in your bedroom when you're alone, but never in front of other people. People feel uncomfortable. And then, you know, help them remember that because sometimes it takes a few, <laughs> a, a few little reminders to, you know, get their hand out of their pants. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, that's one of the big concerns for parents. And I just want to reassure you that it's com very common, considered natural, considered healthy. And then we have boundaries, right, about right. when that's okay. 
Yeah, that's a great idea. You know, just you're just normalizing the normalizing what we as parents think is a crazy big deal, and you making it just ah, no, it's not a big deal. Which I really appreciate that you do that, and yeah. I think that's a great way of looking at it. So, uh, you know, what what is the right time to start bringing up these conversations? Is it when is it more like kid led, or is it do we really need to like sit down at a certain point and have a conversation? Yeah, it's really adult led. And, you know, um, some kids will never, ever ask. And that's for a variety of reasons. They're super private. Uh, they think they already know. Um, they read you as not askable, like you get a little tweaky around this. So they're like, oh, she's not safe. So I'm not gonna, uh, I can't go here with you. Uh, so it really needs to be parent led. And the place to start for everyone is just use the correct names for private body parts. <laughs> they have a right to know. Uh, and you know, we're all hung up because of the way we were raised that you don't say penis, you don't say clitoris, you don't say vulva, you know, lots of us are using, you know, terms like taco and down there and front bottom and back bottom and, you know, winky and, you know, all these other terms. And what that tells kids is that there's something different about that body part and there's something actually not okay, uh, because they don't you know, like everything else has a, a kind of a, an anatomical name, like, you know, my nose is not my smeller, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't say that, Hey, you know, wipe your smeller, please. Um, so this is the place to start and it's actually protective when it comes to, uh, folks that might want to, uh, molest or abuse your child. Because if a child says, Hey, you know, do not touch my vulva or don't touch my vagina, that, correct word tells that person that's that you they're the kids being talk, spoken to by someone mm -hmm. um but if a child says don't touch my cookie that's not okay that indicates to that person that there isn't an open open line of communication interesting yeah that's a great point uh and really good for their safety too like that's a really great idea so we can uh, start having these conversations by start naming the right body parts, start being an adult about the conversation. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Yeah. <laughs> make it weird. <laughs> and then, and then what about when uh, the kids start, you know, asking us questions? Most kids start asking about how babies are made when they are like five or six or so. And if your child asks you that, this is an indication that they are ready to know. In fact, most kids are ready to know at about five or six whether or not they're asking. And the reason for this is that they don't know about sex. Like they don't know there's anything yucky, bad, embarrassing, shameful. They also don't know that there's anything marvelous, fabulous, amazing about sex. And so we have an opportunity as parents to start to launch them with like, this is an amazing part of life. Uh, it's very cool. It's not for kids. So you gotta be very clear about that. And then, and then start the conversations. And most parents shy away from penises and entering vaginas. Um, and that being the usual way babies are made. We know that babies are made all kinds of different ways these days, which is, mm -hmm. of course, lovely for lots of families. Um, but that's the thing that people need to get kind of out of the way. And um, so the other reason is they start school. So kids talk, especially now when kids are porn exposed really early. So they kind of have a sense of what sex is. Um, so it's, it's again, protective. So if a kid says, you know, hey, I know what sex is. It's when people rub their bodies all over each other and get naked. And your kid's like, Meh, yeah, and right? Um, so you want your child really to be the smartest kid on the playground. Mm -hmm. And 
I know I just said porn exposed, so everyone needs to take a big, deep breath and shove that in the dark place because we'll talk about it again in a minute. Um, so we're just talking about basic anatomy and setting kids up to feel good about themselves as a sexual person. Um, and then, you know, really like talking about your family values in terms of waiting. You know, I'm not a, I don't believe that you should wait until you're married to have sex. I think that is like kind of bonkers. Um, so what we say in our family is that sex is for later in life. Uh, you know, if you do believe that sex is for marriage, that's great, but you need to talk about why, because it's marriage is not compelling, um, as you may know yourself. Um, so talking about why it's important to wait and why those are your family values. Um, so the other thing we know about kids who are sex educated from an early age is that they are safer from sexual abuse. They do better. They feel better. And while they may not wait longer to have sex, uh, they do use protection. And, you know, no one wants a teen pregnancy, right? That's a really hard thing to deal with. And lots of teen parents do really well and thrive. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, we're grown, right? We've had babies. We know what it's like to have kids. It is hard. It is hard. It is sure hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really one of those things that, you know, actually, sometimes I wish I was younger when I had kids. I had kids at 30, 32 and 35. So. That's true. <laughs> you know, but yeah, definitely not in teens. I am really appreciative that I did have my teens in my 20s to, to, ha to have fun and be a kid and enjoy that, right? So yeah, that's a great point. So helping them, uh, it's interesting that you, that there are definitely a scientific correlation between like having those conversations early and them being safer and, and actually using protection later on. I think that's great. Yeah, it really makes a big difference. And you know, in the, in the, for folks who are listening in the United States and Britain, um, we have, and Canada, uh, Canada's better than we are, but we have the highest teen pregnancy and STD and HIV rate in amongst young people in the world. And so we can't depend on the school system or doctors or anybody but us to make sure our kids are really well sex educated. And, you know, I think one of the myths is like, and I want to make this really clear, like, you don't park your five-year-old and say, okay, it's time for the talk. And then, you know, talk at them for three hours. The thing that's most effective is short and sweet conversations throughout the years. Um, not being afraid of like, if something comes up, like in the news or whatever, and just saying, you know, Hey, you know, Oh my goodness, there's this article or I heard this thing on the radio or whatever. And, you know, let's chat about it. Or so-and-so is going to have a baby. And, you know, they usually people get pregnant when they have a sperm and an egg join up because the penis and the vagina, it goes in the vagina. But these guys had this other way of getting pregnant. It's two moms, it's two dads. Like you talk about that or in your own family, just say, you know, this is the usual way, but in our family, this is how you came to be. And the other piece is this kids do not, they're not judgmental. They're just like, Oh, okay. So like when I told Milo, we read a book, which I highly recommend. And there are a bunch of books on my website that, that I are my favorites. I've read them all. And so I read a book with him and I got to the penis and vagina part and I was like, mm, skipping it. And he hopped off my lap and he said, okay, thanks mama. And went and played with Legos. And so I sat there and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, big chicken. And so a couple days later, I read the book, I read the whole thing. And you know what he said? Okay. Thanks, mama. And went back to playing Legos, right? So they don't <laughs> know what we know. Right? They don't know what we know. So we need to remember that. And like, and then like, and like park our anxiety, park everything we know. Um, and, you know, we know all this stuff and it's important for us 
to acknowledge that. It's important for us to deal with our hurt and our damage around sexuality because, again, we're going to project this onto our kids. And just remember, your kid's an empty vessel. They deserve to know about this. They deserve to know that sex feels great. It's a good part of life. It's a healthy part of life. It's a normal part of life. And then talk about the troublesome stuff, right? Um, so by the time your kid is nine-ish, they should know all the parts, what goes where, your values about sex. They should know about, start knowing about puberty. Girls have their periods as young as eight. It is straight up mean to not tell a girl. She's going to be bleeding from down there. Um, and so getting, for girls in particular, I think they should know about periods by eight. Um, and again, they don't know there's anything weird. It's a natural function of the body. Yeah, it's inconvenient. Um, but, you know, there are ways to handle it. And you're right there for them and we'll make sure that they're prepared. And of course, boys need to know about period. Everybody needs to know about everybody else, right? Right. <laughs> um, so by the time they start middle school, they should know the basics of everything. And that means everything. They should know about STIs, HIV. They should know about orgasms, masturbation, puberty. They need to know about all the different kinds of sex, oral, anal, vaginal. Um, they should know that most of sex is touching, hugging, kissing, you know, having your bodies rub together, like the parts and holes piece of it is um, kind of the, not the, the full, the full idea of sexuality. And so I know some of you just like had a heart attack and are wishing you had a drink. Um, so I just want to assure you again. <laughs> that seems like a really big, they get a lot of conversations to have. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't happen in one go, right? So it's yeah. like, hey, I just want to talk to you about this little piece. And hey, do you know what STIs are? And then you talk a little bit about that. So you're not uh, the, um, you're not the Wikipedia of sex for your kids. You are uh, giving them like, what is the thing um, what is it? What's your value about it? And what are the limits? Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just talking about all of that. They need to know about birth control. And again, I know this feels like a lot of information, but it's over time. Uh, that's why we have books. So you mm -hmm. don't have to pee the one that goes like, okay, the fallopian tube, you can just read it. Right. <laughs> um, and the other thing about that is it puts a little space between you and your kid. Right. So if you're like reading your book and you're like, okay, I need another glass of wine. They're not going to notice your discomfort. <laughs> um, in the same way they would if you're like, okay, we're going to talk about orgasms and you're like having this eye to eye conversation doesn't work for anybody. Yeah, it seems like we will make it like a deeper, harder, more difficult conversation. Yeah. And the kids, they just need to know, like you're saying, the basics, the, the yeah. easy and the, hey, do you know what this is? Like, that sounds like a good way of approaching it. Not, let's here, come here, let's talk about the birds and bees. <laughs> let's let's sit down. It's let's Wednesday. It's, it's the talk. <laughs> right. It's Wednesday. It's hump day. We're going to have our sex talk today. And it's actually, I mean, you can be funny about funny. it. Right. And you can just say, hey, it's Wednesday. It's time for a sex talk. And they'll be like, oh my God you know, uh, and it doesn't matter, right? Like, even if they say, like, I already know what that is, they don't, or maybe they do, but the thing they're missing is your values, which is super important, which is super important. That's actually the most important thing you can do for yourself and for your kids, uh, and just to clarify your values. And I have a book called Birds and Bees and Your Kids, which is all about clarifying your values. And, you know, it's weird. We don't think about, like, we think about our sexual values in terms of, like, when is it okay to do it? But really, we have values about all kinds of things. Like, we have values about tampons. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we have values about any number of things. And so when you clarify your values, you'll feel better. You'll feel better and then you'll do better. So when you're rattling off some, you know, term or your kid's like, oh my God, what's a blow job? What's a blow job, mom? And you're like, <laughs> right? You'll be able to say, you'll be able to um, do a better job of thinking about it, thinking about how you want to respond. So, uh, I, and, and you know, I think the other thing about this is that there's this myth that when the kids are ready to know, they're going to ask. Some kids don't ask, right? And what do you do with that kid? Yeah. Right? My kids can never assume. Ask. Yeah, they just can't assume that they, they know, so they don't need to ask that. You know, or, or they know the right timing, right? Yeah. And you know, it's just not, it's just not true. Do you have some tips for, you said earlier that like maybe they're not asking because they don't feel safe, like that you're a safe person. Do you have some tips for parents to, you know, try to become that safe person so they feel comfortable? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of just admitting, like, I'm not comfortable talking about this. My parents never talked to me, but you're old enough now. It's a really good one. You're old yeah. enough now for us to start having these conversations. So I might be awkward. You might be awkward. I might be uncomfortable. You might be uncomfortable, but you need to know about this because it's such an important and really great part of life. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And then you get a book mm -hmm. and then you say you're driving in the car and you're like, Hey, remember I, we were going to start talking about this sex thing. Um, so I just wanted to let you know, like sex means two things. It's like whether you are female or male and it also, you know, has to do with, um, you know, being really close to somebody and like having, making, having pleasure and making love. And so it's kind of, you're going to hear those words. And so I just want you to know that there's two different ways of talking about it. Or, you know, I just, let's just like chuck things over my shoulder in the car. It's like, Hey, did you know that when girls have women and girls and women have, pant have their periods, like they can use this thing called a tampon, which goes up inside their body. It's like a cotton thing, or they can use a pad to catch the blood. And everybody will be like, Oh God. And then you're like, you gotta know this stuff. Like I did that for the boys in my car. Right. And, and I had permission from my son's besties parents that I could just talk about whatever I wanted. There were moments when I was like, I'm not doing that one, but I was very open with them as well. That's awesome. I love that. You know, uh, you can drive the kids anywhere you want, take them anywhere, and then you can have those conversations with them yeah. in the car. Yeah, my mom said she used to love driving us places and when we were in middle school, high school age, because that's how she found out what was happening in our lives is by driving us and hearing our conversations. And right. That was a smart plan, Mom. A good yeah, job. it was good. It, <laughs> yeah. it cracks me up how like, how, like, they forget that you're listening. And like, they're just having this little back and forth. And it's like, are you people like, do you realize that I am like right here, right here, but don't abuse your time in the car. I had one mom say to me, she's like, Hey, Amy, I took your advice about talking to kids in the car. And she said, I think I've, I think I overdid it. She said, she said, yeah, you know, my, like the other day, they're like getting in the car and they're like, no sex talks, no sex talks. So, so use it judiciously. Yeah. Um, everybody does better if you're talking while you're doing something else playing Legos, washing dishes, folding clothes, walking the dog. Um, and it's okay to just, you know, say, Hey, I just want to talk to you about something real quick and then say what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, keep it to two minutes or, you know, max as your kids get older, you can have longer, deeper conversations. Right. I love that. But just setting up the little tiny conversations throughout their lives. I think that's a really good, so it's not just one big long three hour talk that they're like totally <laughs> done at the end. Of. Yeah. I mean, it's exhausting for you, like yeah. the kids, whatever, it's going to wipe you out. And, uh, you know, and again, it also makes this like an event 
you know, rather than a part of their part of your family life and how you roll. Right. While we're on the topic of questions, do you think uh, when your child comes to you with a question, you're not quite sure how to answer that? Um, would you uh, try to answer the best you can at that moment, or would you say, "Let's table this for a minute and come back to that conversation"? How would you deal with that? Yeah, I. Uh, if you're like, "Uh oh, I don't know how to handle this," then you can you just say, "I don't quite know how to answer your question." So I need to think about it. I'll get back to you at bedtime, and then you go run around and research, research, right, and figure yeah. out how you want to talk about it. Uh, it's really important for kids to see us mm-hmm. not make like being like, "Uh oh, I don't quite know how to answer that," and and just showing how you don't have to be working out, working on the fly, uh, that you can take a moment before you respond to something. Um, and you know, if you do answer a question on the fly, cause you think I got this. And then later you're like, uh Oh, I just said something crazy because <laughs> I was anxious. Then go back to your kid. And it's so important to apologize and say, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I didn't answer that very well. Here we go again. Um, and again, you know, this is another parenting, important parenting technique or whatever, whatever, it's not even a technique thing is to apologize. Because yeah. when we say, I'm sorry, our kids lean into us. If we're running around acting like we're all experts. So if you apologize when you do something, when you misbehave, because we all misbehave, mm-hmm. um, your kid respects you more. They're more likely to take responsibility when they've made a mistake. Uh, so it's really modeling, um, modeling how to be a decent human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's funny because I feel like parents get a little weird about the parent-child thing. But like you just said, be a normal human being. Like, would you do that? Would you, would you not go back and apologize if it was your friend <laughs> or you know your husband or something? You know, I yeah. think just we forget about them because they're they're younger, but. <laughs> They, they need to be treated the same way as everybody else. Yeah, yeah they need to see that. They need to That's see good. that. Yeah, it's a good skill. So don't overuse that as well because yeah. it's really effective. Yeah, that's <laughs> you, great. you really screw up, then use it. But if you're moderately screw up, because women tend to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't like fill your coffee cup right or, you know, whatever. I'm yeah. sorry, honey. I didn't, I gave you a fork instead of a spoon. So that's another little tip. Like monitor yourself. Like when do you really need to apologize? Yeah right? You don't need to apologize if you gave your kid the wrong fork, right? <laughs> or fill their cup up halfway when they wanted it, all, whatever, you know, all the weirdness that they do. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Cause it really, when you're apologizing all the time, it, um, oh, what's the word, you know, it kind of makes the real apology less powerful. Right. Makes sense. You were saying at the beginning that you learned a lot of things like Amsterdam or they're really doing it right in Holland. What were some of the things that they're doing differently than we've been able to do in North America? So they have a real, so this is a kind of a, like a thing we can't really fix, but they have a really open culture about sexuality. Mm-hmm. They see it as a positive, lovely, wonderful part of life. Mm-hmm. And our culture sees it as dangerous. Um, we see it as problematic. We see it as secret. We see it as um, like a don't ask, don't tell kind of situation. So we have very different cultural values and attitudes about it. And so the takeaway for parents is make your family values like the Netherlands, right? Mm -hmm. Like copy that within your own family because you do have the most influence Mm -hmm. there. Uh, They have sex ed from kindergarten all the way through. So there is no not knowing. Mm -hmm. There's no not knowing. And those kids wait a little bit longer to have sex. And again, when they do, they do it safely. Lowest teen pregnancy rate, lowest HIV STI rate in the world. 
and, and so, you know, who doesn't want that, right? So there's a definite correlation between lots of information and better decision-making or safer decision-making. Uh, the families tend to have, uh, like, they're more chill with dating and, you know, the boyfriends spend the night with girlfriends, like partners can stay over uh, at each other's houses because even though that might feel a little bit uncomfortable to the parents, again, it's safer, right? You know, we were all bonking in the park or, you know, it's some, you know, right? Like wherever yeah. we were getting it on, it was not at a party. I'm of course speaking for myself here, you know, <laughs> at a party right. or whatever. Yeah. So like hooking up with folks and it wasn't in a safe space. Um, so they have that going on. Uh, and then they have socialized medicine, which frankly is, helps everyone be healthier. So they, there's no anxiety about where am I going to get birth control? How do I learn about this? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I might have an STI, something's up down there. Like it's not a big deal to go get your health care. Uh, and here it's complicated. Right. I just had a mom call me because her son has his first girlfriend and they've had sex. And fortunately he told her, which is great. And she said, I've been doing what you say and look what happened. And then I'm freaking out. So it's this whole like, <laughs> yay, help. Um, and so one of the problems was like where she, one of the questions was, where is she going to get birth control? They're using condoms, but she needs to be on birth control. And so she has a teen clinic at her school. Uh, you know, there's always Planned Parenthood. Uh, so there was some conversation about how she's going to do that. Where is she going to do that? And, you know, there, it doesn't even, it's like not even a thing right? You just mm -hmm. go to the doctor and nobody cares, right? Um, so that's basically what they have going on for them. Um, and I believe we should all be little Netherlands at our house. Like yeah, we should all be, um, we should be doing that and helping our kids that way. It doesn't hurt them. Yeah. It doesn't hurt them to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. I really like what you said about doing, thinking about our values about um, sexuality before we have those conversations with our kids, because I'm going to go get that book you suggested on your website, because I think that's a good idea to go back and think about, um, you know, what it is that, what is our family values on that before we even have a conversation about it. I think that's a, that was a really great tip. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. You mentioned something else uh, when we were first talking about it, how our kids are porn exposed. So I wanted to go back to that for a second. So tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Big deep breath, everybody. Yeah. Here we go again. Okay. So here's the deal. And I'm just going to keep this sort of short and not really sweet um, because this is one of the things that is making me most crazy when it comes to childhood sexuality. And um, so Every child will be exposed, exposed to pornography that they, they cannot escape childhood without seeing it. And uh, the bad news is that it can be very scary. It can be very distressing. It can be very upsetting and confusing. It seems gross to kids, which it should. It can also be really fascinating because they can get, you know, we're wired up to feel sexual from the beginning. It just looks different in kids. So they can get sexual feelings from it. And so they can go down a rabbit hole. And um, so the difference between seeing still images and seeing video is that it's video is much more powerful. Like, you know, I had Playboy magazine, right? And Playgirl and like oh, Penthouse, right? Which was the really naughty one. Um, and so seeing those still images can also be influential, but not in the same way. So the first thing is that most parents think, oh no, not my kid. My kid would never, they're not interested. And if you're not talking openly with your child and they're curious about bodies, they can Google boob and or penis 
And I had a, a couple, a mom that called me and she uh, was in a, in a relationship with a woman and they had a little boy. And she said, so my partner is talking to my son. He was about six or seven, talking to my son. And she was saying, hey, when he gets older, when you get older, your body's going to grow. You're going to get taller. Your feet are going to get bigger. You're going to get, you know, hair on your chest and your legs. Um, even your penis is going to get bigger. And then that smarty pants little guy ran downstairs and guess what he Googled? <laughs> big penis. So he saw some mighty big penises mm -hmm. and you know, the moms were freaked out, but uh, you know, I was like, did you see videos? They're like, no, it was still photographs. And I said, okay, good. Um, but still, right. So he's curious. He Googles big penis. He doesn't live with adult men, like who would have big penises that he might see. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, he saw some really big penises. Um, so we need to think about this like that. Like they're curious, where do we go right. for answers? We're gonna Google. Uh, and it's their natural curiosity that can lead them into this. And so mm -hmm. some kids will just be like, oh my God, and shut it down. And some kids will be like, what's happening here? And mm -hmm. look for more. And you know, the internet doesn't care how old your child is. The internet's right. not gonna say, oh honey. <laughs> You're 12. We're just going to say no, right? Yeah. Um, so most parents, and this is where I'm going to be a little scoldy and mean, most parents think, oh, no, my kid would never. So they don't have parental controls and they don't have monitoring software uh, to protect their kids. And that monitoring software and those parental controls should be set on every single device your kid can access, even at grandma's even at their childcare, it should be locked down so that when they do Google big penis, they're not going to get anywhere. Um, none of this is foolproof, mm -hmm. but it's in terms of like doing our due diligence to protect our kids. This is what you need to do. And it works. You know, I had a couple come into my office for a consultation because their eight year old daughter had Googled horses even though they had everything locked down and she managed to get to some, as they put it, bad seventies porn, mm. um, through one thing and another. And so they were worried about her, but it was like, not, it was, it was totally manageable because she knew she knew right. she was sex educated, right? It was all, it all ended up being fine, but you know, so I'm not going to lie to you and say it's foolproof, but it's better than nothing. And go ahead, give a question. I was just going to say, we just had this conversation in our, in our family. My son got an iPad for his birthday and my sister-in-law was sharing with her kids are 10 and 13 and uh, she's got a very strict parental controls on Apple devices, but then also in YouTube and then also on their different. So you can, um, the problem that she said she was having is that the sex toys are not, it, it would, they were easier to find because there was no, like you can't set it to G and it'd be only G uh, videos that would come up. Uh, or you know, G-rated things because those aren't their things, not not oh, right, movie, right, right, right. They're <laughs> items. Like, yeah, they're uh, items. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I mean, like I said, it's not foolproof. And the thing about monitoring software, and if you go to my website, Birds and Bees and Kids, and go to my resources page, uh, there is uh, the monitoring software I've used. Again, Milo's eighteen. We're done. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> like he's ruined. Um, hopefully, he's not ruined. Uh, it's called Custodio, and it. You put it on every device and you block terms. So you're going to have double blocking between the parental controls and the custodio. Yeah. And then um, the cool thing is that you'll get an email telling you if your kids have tried to search something that's off limits. And then that's an opportunity for conversation. You don't tell your kids that 
you have monitoring software and you're putting parental controls on to keep them safe. It's not spying, right? Spying is when you don't tell them, right? right? So mm -hmm. tell them um, because that's also respectful, right? And then as they get older, you can start unblocking things so they can, you know, stretch. They need to like flex that muscle of self-control. Yeah. You don't take it off. So if you see them go to, I don't know what, and you'd be like, oh God. Um, and you know, you can, you can click on the link, which sometimes can be really distressing. Um, and then you're going to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, before you, uh, you know, you should have conversations and some folks have contracts with their kids about what's okay and what's not okay to do online. Um, but contract, contract, I don't know how well they work. Um, some kids are real rules oriented, especially when the kids in general are when they're like before like 11 or so. And then after that is a lot of poking, right? Trying to get yeah. <laughs> a lot of rebelling um, against those rules. <laughs> yeah. And so this stuff is inexpensive. It's worth it. Um, it's, uh, it takes just, you know, it's not too hard to install. Uh, I'm not super techie. I did it myself. It was fine. Um, and, you know, as they, by the time they're in ninth grade, you take off all the blocking because they need to, they need to be able to do stuff and be out there in the world. But here's the deal: they have workarounds now. Kids are really savvy. That um, doesn't mean you don't do it. Doesn't mean you don't do it. Mm -hmm. Just because by the time they're in high school, they're going to be looking at other stuff. And the thing to remember is, I don't know the statistics, but I would guess that 80% of parents have no parental controls and no monitoring software on the devices their kids access. Oh, scary. And it's not just sex stuff. It's not just porn. Yeah. It's like, how do you commit suicide? What's, yeah. you know, like all kinds of awful things. Yeah. Like, guns, bombs, like bombs, you can find anything yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. How do you shoot up, right? Safely, yeah. like awful, awful stuff. So it's not just porn. Of course, for me, I'm most worried about the porn. Right. <laughs> um, so that's great. That's my porn talk. So take a deep breath. <laughs> if you do, if you take nothing away from our conversation, this Part is the thing. Controls, yeah. So here's one last thing. You do not want to be the parent that, has, that gets a phone call from another parent who says, your kid showed my kid porn on the phone on the school bus. Mm -hmm. You do not want to be that parent. It is. Right. It sucks. It's scary. And it's hard. So protect yourself. <laughs> How's that? Amazing. Thank you, Amy. You've given us so many great nuggets here and so, so, so much great, like, so many great places to start from, which is amazing. And so we can go head over to Amy's website, go check out her resources. She's got books. She said, she's got the software. She just mentioned lots of great, amazing things and lots of more education there too. And don't forget to check out her podcast because it is hilarious. <laughs> I really love it. And so Amy, thank you so, so, so much for spending time with our community today on the blissful parenting podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and spend with us and enlighten us on, and we will definitely bring you back again. Yeah. <laughs> more talks, more topics. There's so much to talk about. So thank you. Yeah. My total pleasure is really fun. Great. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.